Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. If you're taking notes, go ahead and and we want to just jump right into today's text and right into uh, the passage today. Everyone say the wild. Yeah, the wild. Um, That's the message title today. It's it's titled the wild. And um, I know for a fact that God wants to speak something to our hearts today. I know that God wants to move in 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 a special fashion today in our lives. But I want to I go ahead and put our eyes on Mark chapter 1. And let's just read it and then we'll get right into uh, what God is, is going to speak to us. Uh, Mark 1 verse 9. Once you're there, feel free to, uh, to, to give me a nod, to give me a wink, or to shout I'm there, to shout an amen. I'll give you uh, about 10 seconds. Mark chapter 1 verse 9. Put your eye on it. Open it up. All right, in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 9, a very, very, something very special takes place. And um, many of us have have probably read it, have probably heard about it. At some point or another, if you've been into a church, you for sure um, have experienced a preaching or something on on this passage. I love how Mark writes it. I love how Mark um, goes through the flow of the events. In chapter 1. And what I'm talking about is the baptism of Jesus. When Jesus gets baptized. And it's such an amazing event. Let's just go ahead and read it. Verse 9 it says. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. And was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water he saw the heavens parting. And and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. One translation says, You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. I really, just look at these three verses and and picture it in your mind for, for five seconds. Go ahead, picture what you think it looked like, what you think it sounded like, what you think the emotions were like around these verses and how it happened, just, just play it out. I don't know if you like to read, but when you read, right, your, your imagination just becomes alive. What is your mind showing you on verses 9, 10, 11? Just picture it. Just picture that. There's probably an amazing picture in your mind right now. An amazing video that is playing through your mind. At least in mine there is. Jesus walks into John the Baptist's baptism rant and in the middle of it, he gets baptized by him. And as he's getting baptized, the heavens are opening. The Holy Spirit is falling upon Jesus and filling him. A voice from the heavens says, you are my son, beloved. I'm well pleased. You fill me with great joy. And can you imagine what that looked like, sounded like, the chills on people's body? What an amazing experience. 
What an amazing encounter this was. And I wanted you to imagine being there. Because sometimes we get a better feel for what we're reading when we use our imagination. Here is Jesus, and he's in the water, and he's coming out, and the Holy Spirit is falling on him. Everyone say Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yeah. And what's happening there at that very moment is he is being commissioned here for a specific, for a unique service, for a purpose in his life. God the Father speaks from heaven, and the Holy Spirit fills him. And what's happening here is Jesus is being confirmed there, there is a confirmation that is happening here of his sonship. And, and, and what the father is doing is he's confirming not just Jesus as son, but also his soon-to-be claim of the coming Messiah. And that's what's happening in these waters. That's what's happening with the people that are around there. So, so basically, this is a stamp on Jesus that he is the son of God. That's what's happening there. And what a day this is. What an event this is. I mean, because you know it's a special event because it's actually the introduction of his ministry. It's actually the, the first step of obedience to fulfill the purpose of the Father in his life. That's why we tell people in the church, hey, have you been baptized? Well, no. Well, you're being disobedient because the first step of obedience as a believer is you believe in the Lord, now be baptized. All throughout scripture we see that. And here's Jesus playing the role. Here's Jesus being the example. And what does he do? He gets baptized because now I will fulfill the Father's will, the Father's purposes in my life. Amen. Amen. That's what Jesus is doing. That's what's being displayed in this passage. And there's a stamp on his life. What a day. What a time this was. I mean, think about it. The heavens, ding, a bell rang. It's begun. It's begun. Jesus' ministry has started. What a day. What a time. John the Baptist, I'm I'm sure of this, is humbled. The crowd is awed. You could almost hear, and this is my beloved son who, I don't know if God sounds like that, but (laughs) most of you have Morgan Freeman in your mind. (laughs) Whatever. He sounds better than Morgan Freeman. I'm almost sure of it. Who I am well pleased. But you know, Morgan Freeman's voice is awesome because who gave Morgan Freeman that voice? Oh man, I'll go off on that. That's good. I think God's voice sounds like all of our voices put together like a roaring thunder, like many waters. You ever been to a worship concert? 20,000 people are screaming and it just sounds like a... It's like a roar. I think that's God's voice. It's many. The Bible says it. All right, let's get back to the the message. The crowd was probably awed. (gasps) Did you hear that? I'm not going crazy. Did you? John the Baptist is like, whoa. Everyone is just in awe. The religious leaders that were there, like the Pharisees, they probably began to grumble with each other. I can't believe this. Look at this. And and you could just imagine the scene. Negative people, positive people. Just, just, Just like church. People get awed. Sometimes the pastor makes a good point and someone says... And at the same time that you're saying amen, someone is in the back saying, he thinks he's all that. Okay, so that's what happened in Jesus' baptism. There's someone saying, wow, amen. There's someone saying, this ain't the son of God. And there's so many emotions. There's so many things going on. Everyone is just, what a scenery this is. Jesus being baptized. 
The Holy Spirit filling him. God the Father speaking through the heavens. What a, what a God experience. The whole picture of God is present right there. Oh my God. Literally, oh my God. Seriously, oh my God. But everyone say, but. Yeah. As soon as this great encounter, this great experience ends. You know, sometimes there's a, there's a saying, and, and I don't know if it's in, in context with the content that I'm preaching, but I'll say it because everyone says it, right? All good things come to an end. I don't even know if that's a true statement at all. Like, I don't even know where they got that from. All good things come to an end. But, but I think all good things are just going to get better as we keep reading. Thank you, Armando. Armando's, Armando's going to help me preach today. <laughs> keep it up. All good things are going to get better. Now, as soon as this encounter and as soon as this experience ends, immediately after, there's a change in the story. I don't know about you, but I really, sometimes change just rubs me the wrong way. You know, when, when you get so used to a certain thing and then you got to get placed somewhere else. You've ever been in a position at work where, where you finally got it, your hand in, and they're like, yeah, I think we're going to have to move you to an, another department or, or watch this one. We're kind of moving to another state, so you could either pick, like, you can pack your bags and go to the state where we're asking you to move to, or you could just be laid off. Many, many of you, I'm sure, have probably experienced that. A lot of my family, people in my family have. But, but, but that does something to you when you're asked to go somewhere. And as soon as this great experience ends, immediately after, there's a change in the story. And, and when you read it, you almost have to shake your head. You almost have to rub your eyes and, and focus on the text that you're reading, on whether what you're reading actually says what it really says. Like, does it, does it really say what it says, or am I reading this wrong? And maybe I should email or text or call someone to see if I'm really receiving this the right way. So let's keep reading what verses 12 and, and 13 at least say. Are you with me? I'll read it from, I don't know, from, let's start with the NLT. It says, <clears throat> the spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days and he was out among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. The message says it this way. At once the same spirit, I won't say the same spirit. Yeah, that pushed Jesus out into the wild the, the, the same spirit pushed Jesus out into the wild for 40 wilderness days. I love that. It's like, it's not normal days, but they're wild days. 40 wilderness days. The same spirit. And he was tested by Satan. Wild animals were in companions. I'm guessing if they're in the wild, there's, there's wild things there. In the ESV says, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days. I, I really hope you, you see the, the, the similar phrase. The same spirit, the same spirit then compelled Jesus, then pushed Jesus, then drove Jesus out. Which spirit? The same spirit. What, what spirit is that? The Holy Spirit that we just read in a beautiful imagination in our brain. We saw the picture of it. In our mind, we imagined it. With our eyes, we read it. It was an amazing experience. It was an amazing encounter. As a matter of fact, did you forget it already? Jesus was coming out of the water. The heavens opened. The Holy Spirit fell upon him like a dove. And immediately from the heavens, there was a, a voice that said, This is my beloved son, who I'm filled with great joy for. 
I mean, what a beautiful picture that is. Till moments later, immediately right after, the same spirit that fills him says, go. And drives him into the wild. The Greek for that drive, it actually means, this is an awesome word, to eject, to cast out. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? I don't know. I, I picture Jesus is not something to mess with, you know? I, I picture Jesus is not something to mess with. Adrian, Adrian, come here. I picture Adrian is just something not to mess with. I don't know. You could just use your imagination. Why? I'm not going to mess with him. I actually want him on my team. We are on the same team. We are on the same team. Flower team. We're flower team today. <laughs> I was hoping he would say beard team. Or, you know, beards. The two bearded men. With the, all right. So, yeah. You could be the flower team. I'll pick the beard team. Okay. But, yeah. but, um, but you know, you, you would think Jesus is something to reckon with, right? The Holy Spirit falls upon his life and starts to fill him. But, but out of nowhere, you know, in, in like one translation says, you know, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And we get this picture, you know. We get that picture sometimes, you know, it leads him into, into the wilderness. But, but when we read that properly, it's not like, oh, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. It's actually a whole lot different. It's, it's the Holy Spirit pushes him, ejects him into the wild. It's it's totally different explanation when you read it in its proper wordage. It's not that the Holy Spirit said, come on, Jesus. I know you said it there. It, it was, it was, it was get, get out there and go and do what you're called to do. And, and, and he, he ejects them. Everyone say eject. Yes. He ejects them out. He, he, he drives him out. He, he pushes him out. He, he, he changes things on him. So where am I going? You're going to the wild, where the wild things are. Where is that? What do you mean? The wilderness. Well, can you, you sure? Can we change it a little bit? No, this is your next step as you start your ministry. You, you go now to the wild. And it wasn't leading him to the wild. It was, it was as he finds his seat now, it was, it was literally, be careful. It was pushing him. It was ejecting him. Say eject one more time. It was ejecting him into the wild. The word eject is a very serious word. I'll prove it to you. You've ever watched the game? Someone gets ejected? Oh, man, it's a, that's my favorite part of a baseball game. Because they're so long. But I'm like, come on, just someone come out of the dugout and, and fight with the umpire. And the, and the guy, the coach runs out. And I love the crazy ones, you know, that start to kick the dirt upon the umpire. And have you ever noticed an ejection? It's not like. It's not, a, it's not a soft thing. It's not a... When, 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 the, when the umpire ejects someone, have you ever seen it? They, they point at you like if, duh, who else are you talking to? I'm the only one that has thrown sand at you and spit around you and got in your face and you smelled my sunflower seed breath and tobacco. In my I mean, it's not a pretty picture. And he points at them and then out of nowhere... Some of those guys are strong. Those NBA umpires they, and the referees from the NFL, are, and, and they're like Adrian. And then they, they point, and as they point, what do they do? They, they, they've practiced this movement that, that they just grab the pointy finger and they 
you're out of here. And the crowd always goes wild. Wow. <sighs> so weird. It's not like you need to go now. I think in the showers there's some bananas and there's some hot dogs and some Kool-Aid. No, it's get out and go to the showers. You're not even allowed back in the ballpark. Pack up your bags and go. The word eject means to force, to throw out, typically in a violent or sudden way. You with me yet? Violent ejects Jesus out into the wild. Do you understand what eject means? I could give you more examples. I have a lot of them. But eject one more. No, I'm not going to do it. But it's interesting. It's interesting that Jesus, everyone say Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, he is God. He is actually the third person of what we know as the triune God, of what we teach and of what we believe, of the Trinity, of the Godhead. And as Jesus, yet being God, yet being Jesus, there, being 100% man while being yet still 100% God, he is now being forcefully, everyone say forcefully, by force, say by force. Yeah, yeah, he has been driven and pushed out into the wild. The wild. Not led, but ejected. Not walked into, but pushed into. The wild. You know, to my knowledge, there are not good things... Good things don't happen in the wild, to my knowledge. Maybe I'm wrong, but to my knowledge. Because I watch movies. <laughs> I watch shows that have shows that are attached to those shows. They're, they're called series and all that, you know. And I've noticed that in these movies, that's where the monster always is. If it's not the monster, the killer is always in the wild. You've ever seen a movie and it's dark and it's hazy, and there's fog in the wild, and, and the little kid or the grown-up or the old person just walks into it, and they're like, no, have you not seen the movies? The killer is always there, the monster is always there, the animal is... Don't walk into the wild, go into your house and turn on the lights so at least you can see if it's coming. The wild for me is never a, a good thing. You know, in the news, the wild is not good. In the, in the news, it's always where they find the dead bodies. Another body found in the Everglades. What? Like they just dump bodies over there or something like that. Like, so nothing, to my knowledge, serves the wild as anything good in my life. If I were to tell you guys right now, tonight we're going to meet here at 7 p.m. I got buses ready for you. And we're just going to take a journey. And we're going to take a nature trail at night. No flashlights. <laughs> no guns. No arrows. Whatever you use, your weapon of choice. And we're just going to walk in the wild. I'm not going to show up. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> it's nothing good for me. There, you know, in, in the wild, it's very quiet. 
And I don't like to be at places where I could hear my own heartbeat. If you've ever been to a place that's so quiet, you could hear your own heartbeat. And the reason why you hear it is because you're probably so scared that it's beating a little bit harder and faster and you could hear it in your chest. You've ever been that scared? You've ever been in the wild like that? There's weird noises at times at night in the midst of the quietness. There's a cluck, 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 like, you know, Rudy, we love Rudy. Everyone say, I love Rudy. He's not here right now. He must have stepped out, so that's good. I'm just going to talk bad about Rudy for a moment. But Rudy got married to Claudia. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. But you know what Rudy does? Where, oh, Rudy's here. All right, guys, so let's get back into the word. Rudy, we were just saying good things about you. Okay, but you know what Rudy does? I'll say it. He gets married to Claudia, and he says, guys, let's, let's hang out. Let's do something. So a bunch of us guys get together. And Rudy does the, the most, the craziest thing. And he takes us, well, it wasn't Rudy, but it was Rudy because he was telling his good friend for a while that he wanted to do this. And with Rudy, I go with Rudy, I go with Rudy and, and, in a way, and, and, and uh, Rudy makes us, you know, build tents and all that. And we go into the wild, into the wild. You know, it's crazy because in those tents, there's not bathrooms. <laughs> and if you know me for a while, I need to go to the restroom a lot. And um, I probably went like two or three times during the night. And, man, it was so cold and it was so scary. Every time I opened up that, that tent and I was outside and looked at the trees. And, I, and it was just a scary thing. The wild is not a place for me that it's actually good. There's weird noises. There's predators. It's dark. It gets real quiet. For me, a good place is, is not the wild. For some of you, like, wow, for real? For me, that's my dream. All right, whatever. I'm home and I'll put the TV on for background noise. It's <laughs> like, but anyway, when you look at this passage, why would the Holy Spirit drive Jesus to such a place to be tempted by the devil? The wild. He, he takes Jesus into a wild place, into the wilderness, and he's like, oh yeah, and there you will be tempted by the devil. Doesn't, doesn't sound better. But I said something earlier, all good things come to an end. How about if I tell you that statement is a lie? How about even in this passage, I'm about to flip it on you and say, yeah, all good things are just going to get better. Because we, because I, I'll just talk about myself. I have a negative vibe towards the wild. But in my negativity, in this negative thought on the wild, God speaks to me and says, you see, what you don't understand is what you think is negative is actually very positive. What you think is wrong is actually very right. What you think that I'm not in and what you think that I am absent in those places, I'm going to show you that in those wild moments, in those wild things, in places that are symbolic like the wilderness, in those places, I'm going to show you how more present I am than ever before. And in those places, I'm actually going to show you, I'm going to show you some things about you that you would have never would have seen if you were still sitting on your couch with background music playing because you're scared. To hear. You see, sometimes I got to shut some things up around you and I got to change some scenery around you because the only way you're going to hear my voice about what it says about you is if I shut things off and eject you into a place where you have no other option but to see me alive in the wild. The wild. The wild is scary, but, 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 but all good things... 
you know what? We're going to put that today on social media. Someone's, you're going to create a graphic today, and we're going to put that up. And if, and if it's not up yet on Instagram, all good things just get better. But how is it getting better? It's the wild. Because every negative thought that you have, God is going to surpass it by so much positivity, by so much of his power, by so much of his strength, by so much of his presence, that in the wild, you're going to say, do I have to live here? I actually want to pitch my tent and make this place home. Because in the wild, I experience God in ways that when I'm comfortable, I never do. Send me into the wild. Eject me into the wild. Drive me into the... Don't just leave me. Push me if I'm being stubborn. If I'm being hard-headed. If I'm lacking faith. If I'm doubting. Holy Spirit, eject me if I need to be ejected. But send me to the wild. Wild. The wild. The wild. I mean... I read this passage and I'm like, keep the dude safe. It is the son of God. Keep him safe. No, the wild. Where wild animals are. Oh, and Satan's waiting for you to tempt you. That's Jesus. Put him in a palace. Put him in a bubble. Put him in a room. Put him in a shelter. In a safe house. Put him somewhere to protect him. Because it's Jesus. Secure him. Lock the door in the room and, um, and throw out the keys. Can't come out. We'll feed you every day. You're Jesus. But no. But no, instead, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, all in union, say, okay, son, let's begin your purpose. Everyone say, send me. Here I am. Let's flip it up. Here I am. Send me. Uh, okay. Come on, I'm going to take you to the wild. Get in that wilderness. You know, you read the rest of the story and you'll see that, that Jesus is now in the wilderness. And I don't have time to preach the before and all that, but I don't have time to go into everything that happens in the wilderness. But, but Satan does tempt him with some serious temptations. I mean, serious ones that if we were in the same boat as Jesus, I wonder if we would... Um, if we would have victory in them, if we do it in our own strength and all that. I mean, some serious temptations. And you read the story and you can see now that Jesus can actually now relate. Like, he, like if he ever even had to relate to us. But whatever, he does it because he's such an awesome God. But now Jesus can relate to all of us when dealt with temptation. Well, Lord, I'm going through that. I know exactly how that feels. <laughs> oh. It, it's, it's not that crazy, actually. That just like Jesus, the same spirit that is good to us, say it's good to me. There's the same spirit that fills me, say fills me. Yeah, it approves of me, say that. It stamps me, confirms me as his son. Say the same spirit. Right, right. That same spirit yet, yet also ejects you. Not rejects you. You see, that's what happens here. We confuse the ejection of God to the rejection of God. And I don't believe for a moment that if you're in this place today, 
that God has rejected any of you. I think you've listened to too many lies, and I think you've listened to too many voices, which were probably your very own voices, and I think what you've allowed is things to lie to you, and if you're still here today, I don't know where you got this idea from, that God rejected you, that the Holy Spirit rejected you. As a matter of fact, you maybe you confused his ejection into the wild over his rejection over your life. That is totally off. You can give God some praise for that. I've been in the wild before in my life. Let me stop because maybe you're confused and maybe you don't know what a wild is. Because you're like, I'm still confused. What's a wild? A wild for me was a scary one. I, I graduated high school, which was a miracle in itself. And I'm not like boasting in that. I'm just, it's a miracle. And then I went to college, university actually. I'm not going to call it a college. It was a university. And I graduated from university. That was like a, even a greater miracle. And like, that's not a big deal. I, from the university, I did my internship. And I got a job in the place where I did my internship. Amazing miracles in my life. I was, I was making good money for a young 20-year-old. Decent money. I bought my first car. And I remembered, I said, my first car is going to have electric windows. <laughs> so I bought like a Nissan Altima. And I remember the feeling of rolling down the window just by a button, and I no longer had to reach over. And I felt like I made it in life. I made it. I have a call. I know for you it sounds silly, but, but you see, when, when, when you've had to push for things, and, and, and the thing went down, and I was like, Whoa. for a while, I would drive with the windows down. Then, you know, you're Miami, you put the AC up. But it's so cool. And then somewhere, God just began to whisper in my heart. Didn't scream it, just whispered it. This is my wild. I'm just giving you an example so you can know what your wild is. You've done good for yourself, haven't you? I sure have. Miracle, went through high school. Miracle, went through university. I mean, I got a lot of hope for my sister. Don't get me wrong, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> I got a job. Miracle. You've done good for yourself. You got your own car. It's under your name. It's the first thing you put under your name. It is the first thing I put under my name. I'm building my credit, baby. One day I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a house. <laughs> All those thoughts that I had when I was early 20, you know, all those things. You're doing so good for yourself. You're so, you're so proud. And then God whispered something, and he said, quit your job. <laughs> what? <laughs> quit your job. Like take some time off? <laughs> your first year working, tell them that you're retiring as a teacher. I walked into my principal's office. Well, let me tell you something first. I fought that for a year. I said, I'm not doing that. You're crazy. You know that I, I started a youth, and, and guys, this is to show you how weak I am. I started a youth ministry with two people. Two people became 110 people. I was 20 years old. I became 26 years old, 25 years old. God spoke that into my life. I went a whole year saying, I'm not doing that. He told me to go to Ohio and be trained to be a pastor over there. Quit your job quit everything you know, pack your bags, move to Ohio. I said, I'm never leaving Miami. Miami love. <laughs> it's not happening. Do it. I fought for a whole year. Do you know what happened to my youth ministry that I built from two to 110 because I'm so anointed? It went down to like about 10 kids. And God says, 
go to the wild. I went from powerful youth minister to I can't even keep one together. Because God said, did you actually think that it was in you? The spirit left this a while ago. I mean, I'll still honor it. Those 10 that are there. But the spirit has been driving you and ejecting you to the wild. And you're still going against the flow, pushing against the grain that the Holy Spirit is sending you over there. But you still want to be comfortable over here. I told you already to quit your job. Tell them that you're retiring. Pick up your stuff and go to the wild. That's what my wild was. I went to my principal's office and I said, I still remember her name. I don't know if I should say, yeah, there's a lot of last names like that. Mrs. Martin. She said, Rigo. She, I don't know, I could never do wrong in her life. Rigo. <laughs> How's everything? You wanted to talk to me? I was like, yeah. Um, I know I've only been here for a few months. And I thank you so much for hiring me. I love this place. I really do. This hurts me to tell you this. But I'm not going to come back next year. What? Yeah, I'm retiring. She's like, you're 25 years old. What do you mean you're retiring? What, what's going on? I was like, God's calling my life. He's sending me to go to Ohio. I'm, I don't know where I'm going to go from there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study to be a pastor. I'm trusting the Lord. I'm, I'm go- I have no idea what to tell you. I'm just not coming back over here. Um, and she's like, why don't you do this? Why don't you, what's that called that, that we get, um, like a leave of absence or whatever it's called for like a whole year. I could give it to you for a whole year. I said, nah, you see, because that's going to be in the back of my mind. I'm going to say, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm just going to come back and get the job where I could always come back to work at. So I wanted to make sure that I didn't stick with my crutches. If God was calling me to walk, I wanted to make sure that people would know that. So I looked at her and I said, no, you see, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to retire. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. That was my wild. You know, I went to Ohio. Do you know I was depressed? I was so depressed. What the heck did I just do? But something beautiful happened. God showed me in Ohio. Please listen to this. How inadequate I was. How weak I was. Insufficient. I was, because I thought I was a mighty youth pastor who built two, 110 kids from, from two kids, and oh man, my church loved me, and they loved when I preached on Sundays, and I thought I was something, and God says, oh man, am I really going to show you in the wild who you really are when, when, when you're there all by yourself, and all you could hear is me, because I'm taking away from the voices that say you preach so well, I'm taking you away from the ministry that you built so well. And I'm going to put you in a place where you can't do anything but cry and see me show up. And I went into the wild. And when I was in that wild, when I was ejected into that wild, I want to share something with you. Because maybe God's calling some of you into the Your wild is not quit your job. Maybe for some of you it is. But wait. I remember this. And I want to share this with you. Romans 8.14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You see, I don't know what your wild looks like, but I'm sure every single one of us here have experienced the wild, the wilderness in our lives. And here's Jesus. He goes into the wild and he's being tempted by Satan. And, and we may say this, ready? Oh, fine, I know that we are led by the Spirit, but, but I thought the Lord doesn't test us. Why would the Lord test us? No, you see, we're reading it wrong again. No, the Lord 
What he doesn't do is he doesn't tempt you. But test you, oh yeah, he does that frequently. <laughs> Testing he does often. Tempt you, he'll never do. You see, it was Satan's job to tempt Jesus. It was the Father's job to test Jesus the Son. You know how I know he passed the test? Some three years later, he's in another wilderness called the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he's in the garden, his wilderness yet again, because they're about to destroy his body, because they're about to crucify him, because they're about to spit on his face, because they're about to rip his beard, because they're about to hang him butt naked on a cross, in the middle of his wilderness, he says a prayer that is just so unique. He says, Father, if it is possible, pass this cup from me, but nevertheless, let your will be done and not my will. I'm telling you, it was because he's passed the test. So when it came again, he said, I know the answers. Stay faithful. I know the answers. I'm back in the wild. And when I'm back in the wild, I remember this moment. Stay faithful. I want this for my life. But I know you need this from me. We could want a lot of things. But he wants and he needs your faithfulness, your obedience. The word tempt means this, ready? To entice, is this a good message? I'm hoping that it's blessing your life. I really am hoping that it's blessing your life. But the word tempt means to entice someone to do wrong. That's what the word entice, um, tempt means. But the word test now, listen to this. This is, gonna, this is really going to do something to some of you. It means this. It is a procedure intended to establish your quality, your performance, your reliability, especially before you are taken into widespread use. Oh man, I swear I thought some of you guys were going to say amen to that part. There's going to be some testing before you could ever be used. You know, there's people like, I just, I, I want to preach or I want to sing or I want to do, just Chill out and go to the wild for a little while. And, you know, uh, that, that person's that and, and this person's this. You know, Rudy always shares an awesome story with me about, about when we first met and all that. But we do that a lot. And I've done that a lot. And then when we go into the wild, we're like, oh, yeah, I get what God meant and I get what God wanted from me. I understand it now. Yeah. I see that he wanted me to see something different in me and him. So, so you, may, you may be led by the Spirit to attest, to break you, to build you. But all of that was in order to then take you to a place of widespread usage. You see, there needed to be, have you ever studied uh, the, the potter and he's building and he's like, ah, this is not sufficient, this is not good enough. So what he does is in, in Scripture is as he's making the, the clay and the, and, the, and the wheel, he it says that he begins to smash it and beat it. And destroy that which is made. And then he turns on the wheel again. And he begins to now build it again. Because, because what happens is that's our lives. See sometimes we get on the spinning wheel before the potter. And say this is what I'm going to be used for. And the Lord looks at us and says no. Before I could ever use you in a widespread usage. I'm first going to break you so that I could build you again. And then when you are used you can know for who the glory belongs to. For who the strength is found in. For where your faith is in. So that one, one day you look at yourself and put yourself in a place that you were never designed to sit on, to bask on, to live on because you can't deal with that pressure. You know how you always make it? By doing mighty and great and powerful things. And when all the awes and all the woos and all the woos come to you, you say, ah, and you point back to Jesus who sits on the throne of your heart because you can't, but he can come into the wild. And let me show you.
Come into the world and let me show you. Widespread usage. Good. Break you and build you first. Oh. In Jeremiah 2012, Jeremiah says, Oh, Lord of heaven's armies, you test those who are righteous. I'm not lying. And you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Ever been tested? The righteous. Any righteous in here? If you're part of the righteous, you've been tested. You've been tested. See, the wilderness has a way of doing something to you. The wilderness has a way of making you, me, us humble. Huh? Huh? It'll test our, it'll test our weaknesses to then drive it out. You see, the will. Uh, what do you do, Will? Mark, let me use you for example. I'm going to use Mark. Love Mark. Everyone say, I love you, Mark. And the, the, the Holy Spirit drives Mark into the wilderness. And then he interviews him. He says, what's your gift? What are you good at? Uh, leading. Leading. That's good. He said, leading. And the Holy Spirit smiles at him and says, awesome. He's good at leading. Go be a slave now. But I'm a leader, right? But because you're a leader, I'm going to challenge you in places where now, I'm going to see where your heart is. Go be a slave. Be a servant. Get, get a toothbrush and wipe the floor and get a toilet and clean it. Like, what? What does that mean to me? He's like, yeah, because in there, in those moments, I'm going to reveal things about your leadership that is going to blow your mind so that when I use you again in widespread usage, you can say, these things are now being experienced because, because of the fire and because of what happened in the places called the wild. And then the... He ejects you, right, into it. But there's a promise, and I'm going to get to it. I promise you, and I promise everyone. From the wild, I promise you, you know he doesn't always leave you in the wild. When he sees that you're ready, he says, all right, now I'm going to eject you out of the wild. I'll get to that in a moment because that's one of my next points. But, but it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy that he does this. That we can be driven out, that we can be ejected into the wilderness, in order for the wilderness to drive out and eject something out of us. Psalm 25, 9 says this. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. That's a good place to say amen. Yeah, he leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. Okay, I'll believe that. But you know, I'm a little offended by one translation. One translation says it this way. Maybe you could get, maybe you could get offended with me. He gives the rejects his hand. And he leads them step by step. Who are you calling reject, man? <laughs> I like the other word, humble. Yeah. Humble. But no, no, this one says he gives the rejects his hand. A reject, really? You know, wilderness in the Bible, it, it is seen, and, and write this down in your notes, and, and please keep this in your heart as we're talking about the wild, and I'm going to define it a little bit better now. Here it is. Wilderness in the Bible is seen as a transitional space in your life. The wild in your life is an in-between place where, where ordinary life is suspended. No more couch, TV, background music. Blah, blah. Normal, ordinary life is suspended. And now identity shifts and new possibilities now emerge in your life. I want that to happen to me. Awesome. Walk into the wild. Oh, well, want it another way. So when we look at this word in, in Matthew, um, forgive me, Psalm 25 where it says, 
He leads the rejects. He gives the rejects his hand. When we look at the word reject, listen to this, guys. It's not as bad as it sounds. It actually means when you define that word reject, you know what it means? It means inadequate. Oh, I'm cool. I'm a reject. I'm a reject. Because I know that in me I'm inadequate. And that's what that means. So we could change that. It says he gives the inadequates his hand. He gives the rejects his hand. And I look at it and say, I need, we need the wilderness. How many of you know you need the wilderness? How many of you say, I need the wild in my life? Why would the Holy Spirit lead us into this wild? Well, I hope we got it. I hope we're getting it. It is, it is to bring out the weakness. It is to show us that he's not mad at you for being inadequate. Any inadequate people in here and you feel like God can never use you? Huh, did God just burst your bubble and say, I'm not mad at you because you're inadequate? Because you're weak? Because you're frail? Because you fail or because you fall short? I'm not mad at you because you don't always know what to do or the decisions to make. I'm not mad at you because of your poor judgment, because of your poor performance, or because of your lack of faith. How, how good does that sound right now that God says, I'm not mad at you because of those things. I know that about you already. If not, I would have, I would have never sent you into the wild. The wilderness is where I relay all that and reveal all that. I know that already about you. The wilderness is, is to reveal to us that those exact things that I just labeled are the reasons that he chose us. Huh? He chose you because you could sing well and you could preach well or you could lead well or, or, or you could serve well. He, he chose you because you saw that I'm actually inadequate. I'm actually in need of more of God and less of me. Oh, yeah, them I'll choose. Them I'll pick. I'm like, how many of you felt like you're inadequate again? Amen. 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 He's not mad at us. The wilderness is to show us that's why I chose you. That's why I, I hold your hand. It's like I've shared this before. I don't let my son cross the street. He's inadequate to cross the street. He's going to get popped by a truck. So my son is inadequate. So because he's inadequate, stay right next to dad. Hold my hand. Now we cross. He's a reject. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I felt bad after I said it. <laughs> Parents, look at your children. If they're here, say, you're a reject. I've always told you. He's inadequate. There you go. I won't say amen. But dad, I want to go and run the street. Are you crazy, son? You're inadequate. But do you know that there's going to be a day that my son will cross the street without his father's hand? Because he's lived under his father's teachings. It's okay if you want to still be taken by the hand. But there's got to be a day where you just obey his teachings already. Man, I feel it today. That's why he chose us. The wilderness is, write this down. I, I got this, I don't know, revelation when I was preparing this word. I wish you could understand what happened to me when I did this word. I wish my wife was here today. My daughter is very sick. She got high fever again last night. Pray for her. 
But my wife was in awe of something that happened yesterday. For hours, I was looking at my screen, and I, I would hit my head. At one point, I put a hat on, I put earphones on. I said, you're moving too much. You need to leave. I need to go somewhere. And, 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 and really, someone was uh, texting me, and I said, I can't. I'm, I'm literally bumping my head over the word. I can't talk. And, and something, it, it took me a lot to put these thoughts together. I don't know why. I, I think it's because there's someone here that is going to receive a breakthrough, and the enemy didn't want that. And as I was preparing, see, when you prepare a message every week, you sense those things. And I was going through so much junk in my house to just put some thoughts together. It was really a hard, it was hard, it was hard for me to get this so that when I come and preach it today, um, I, I wish I could preach to the whole entire world because of what I went through to get this message, to share it to you. And, and I remember going through that and, and feeling all these things just yesterday as I was putting some last-minute thoughts together. And, and, I, and this came to my mind, and I would love for you to write it down because of what I went through to, to get this message. And, and God showed me this in my life. Ready? The wilderness, the wild, is not necessarily where he gives us his hand, but it's where we give him our hand. That's totally different. It's a place where you finally say, I finally saw it in me. I finally saw it in you. Take my hand, Lord. Not a place where you take his, but a place where you give yours. How many of you right now, please, don't, keep, don't say this answer out loud yet, but you're going to have to in a few minutes. But how many of you are in a place that the Lord says, what I require now is not for you to receive my hand, but now it's so that I can receive your hand. That's called, I'm waiting on your next step because I've already taken the steps for you. Give me your hand. Come on. You're going to get to a place where you're going to recognize that it's actually good for you. Give me your hand. All right, Dad, I'll give you my hand so I don't get hit by a car. Give me your hand. Son, the wilderness is to give you the revelation that I'm not mad. You should write that on your notes. He's not mad. I'm not disappointed and I don't reject you, but I love you. And I give you grace. How many of you could say amen? Give God some praise for that. Give God some praise for that. The same Holy Spirit that led you to salvation and fills you, everyone say now, leads you to the wilderness to reveal that Christ is, Christ is, everyone say Christ is, Christ is the adequate, the strong, the one that never fails, the all-knowing, the perfect wisdom. Christ is now that which you are not. And the wilderness is to give you that revelation. He knows it. And he knows that it may cause you to feel confused. You ever felt that? He knows that it may cause you to feel hurt. He knows that it may cause you to feel pain. He knows that it may cause you to feel sadness, depression, defeated. But, but just because you feel it, it doesn't mean that you are it. You're not everything you feel, church. I hope you know that. Because if you were, why would God die on the cross and shed his blood and then resurrect on the third day? If you really are everything that you think you are, he should have just stayed in the grave. But you're much more than what 
before you even know. I'm telling you today, just because you think it, it doesn't mean that you are it. There is something in you that God wants to plant in you that is far greater than you can ever, ever, ever understand for yourself. Come on. He's revealing this to us. You may feel it, but it doesn't mean it's true. See, the revealing is to show you that it's not to break you, the world, but it's to reform you. It's not to hurt you, but to heal us. It's not to kill you, but to make you alive. It's not to defeat us, but to give us victory. It's not to sadden us or depress us, but to build this in us a new and a true joy. You may feel like a reject, but that's exactly where he wants you. Because when you get it, that it's in your inadequacies, in your empty tank, that is where you are best. I will fill it with my power, with my knowledge, with my strength, and with my healing and everlasting joy. I need your tank to be empty so then that I can finally fill it in its fullness of who I am. Yes! Yes, yes, come into the world and listen, give me your hand. Man, that through these experiences that happened to us, I thought about the children of Israel because they went into a while too. And don't you know that, that through the experiences of the Israelites in, in exile, we learned that, that while the biblical wilderness is a place of danger, it's a place of temptation because they got tempted. Did you know that? They went, Moses goes up to the mountain and he's speaking to the Lord and he comes back down. They're, they're, they grabbed all the earrings and all the jewelry and they made a gold cow. They got tempted and they fell. They, the wilderness does that to you. It's a place of chaos. But do you know that, that it's also a place of, and it's also a place for actually solitude. And it's also a place for nourishment. And it's also a place from deep revelation from God. So, so what the Lord is saying is this, I will show you what is in you. Don't get offended by this because you've already learned that you're, you're a reject. Right? No? You've already learned that you're a reject. So, so the Lord is saying, I will show you what is in you, which is nothing, to show you what I could work through you, which is anything and everything. Come on. Amen. I'm inadequate. Good. You figured it out. Awesome. Now watch me fill you. With anything and everything. Jesus actually reminds his disciples that with God all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26. Paul in Philippians 4 writes about his own personal wilderness. Did you know that? He writes about his own personal wilderness and how he's been through hell and back and everything in between. And, and it leads him to a deeper revelation about himself. Listen, not because of anything that was in him, but because of who was in him. And you know what Paul says? He says this in Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Paul, where did you come up with that idea? Huh? Spend some time in the wild, some people stoning you, some people killing you, some people testing you for your faith, and you will see that I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going to have to take a nap tonight. But that's the truth. So contrary to how we started off the message, good things actually do happen in the wild. Huh? All good things come to an end. The heck said that. 
the heck invented that? Who came up with that preposterous? What do you mean by all good things come to an end? Because the Bible that, that I read and the wild that I'm entering tells me that all good things in Christ just get better. That's it. Good things actually happen in the wild. Write this down, write this down. Real freedom lies in your wilderness. Real freedom lies in your wilderness. You know that I thought I was so free. And when I went into the wilderness, I was actually so bound. <laughs> I'll give you a preaching example. I thought I was a good preacher at one point. So I preached in front of three men that together equals about 100 years of ministry. These are men that have heard every kind of word in every kind of way and every kind of angle. So I get up on a podium and I'm preaching in front of three men who are going to critique me after I'm on my message. So I come up there, take a deep breath, and I say, today's message is titled... I still, you, know, you know how traumatizing it was for me that I still remember the title? And this was 10 years ago. Today's message is titled, Deaf Ears Lead to Perishing Souls. I thought that, I thought that was it, man. Like, whew, what, a, what a powerful title. Deaf Ears Lead to a Perishing Soul. And I started going off. And, and they just looked at me. They looked down and type. They looked at me again. And they typed. And every time they typed, I was like, they're probably saying how awesome that point was. I said, ah, and, and amen, I'm done with my word. One pastor, gray hairs, very wise, one of the wisest men I know looks at me and says, are you done? I said, yeah, I am. He says, good. He goes, I'll start. The other ones look at him and said, okay. He says, you know, if this was my first time coming to your church, I will never come back to your church again. That has got to be the worst message I have ever heard. I went, dang, I thought it was good. <laughs> and he says, let me tell you why. I took out a pencil and I started to hold in my tears. And I slouched down, took a deep breath. Don't cry in front of this man. And I still have that paper. I should frame that paper. I should. I'm going to find it when I get home. And I wrote so much notes. And he said, I came in with so much baggage to your church today. And you came in here, and as soon as you gave me your title, I didn't feel any hope from the beginning. You already told me that my deaf ears lead to a perishing, perishing soul. Why don't you give me a little bit of hope today, huh? You know, I walked away from that not saying, oh my God, I suck, I... I should never preach again. I walked away from that and I said, I will never 
ever do that again. I'll never title a message like that again. I'll never preach like that again. I'll always be truthful, but I'll always be aware of the people that, that are sitting under the teaching of the word. And I thought I was so free as a preacher, but what God showed me in my time there was, no, you see, you're actually bound. And real freedom is in the wild, and that's why I needed you here for a little while. The same spirit that is good to you fills you. Remember that? Stamps you, confirms you as son. Also, also, also ejects you. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a very good thing. It ejects you. And ejects you out into the wild. I'm going to end. Even though I really, deep down inside, do not feel like ending. But I'm going to end. You know, in the Exodus story, Moses... He went through the parted Red Sea. If you know that story, the, the, the Egyptians are chasing him. He lifts up his staff and the Red Sea parts. That is symbolic for baptism. Did you know that? So he goes through the Red Sea, which is baptism. And then they go into the wilderness. And when the wilderness was over, they went 40 years. Do you know where they went? They went to a mountain. They went to a mountain twice. Mount Sinai, they received God's laws. And then in Mount Nebo, Moses was able to look at the promised land that God had promised the children of Israel. Do you know that, you know that they eventually got to a mountain from their wilderness? Let's go back to Mark 1. Remember that picture in your mind? I'm going to end it how we started it. Remember that picture in your mind? Jesus' story starts the same way as the Egyptian story. He's going to start off his ministry. He's going to free people from Egypt. Jesus is going to free people from sin. And he's going to take them to, Moses is going to take them to the promised land. Jesus is going to take us to the promised land. Huh? Huh? So he starts off his ministry and what does he do? He goes into the waters and John the Baptist has to baptize him. When the water's done, he comes out of the water. Now the spirit, what? Ejects him into the wilderness. Same thing as the children of Israel. But you know, it didn't, you know that it did not end in the wilderness for Jesus, Satan thought it was going to end in the wilderness for Jesus. But you know where it happened? On a mountain, on a hill called Calvary, the promised land. And on the third day, he resurrected. Get into the wild and don't worry about it because God will get you out of it when you're ready nah, when he's ready Jesus went through a wild the children of Israel went into the wild in our story we've gone through waters the waters of baptism into the temptations of the wilderness and up to a mountain where it all comes from, our salvation, where Jesus is at. I love that in both, as another side note, I love that both Ezekiel and in John, they both have visions of the new Jerusalem. I don't know if you know that. And as they both have visions of the new Jerusalem, do you know where they both were taken to see the beautiful new Jerusalem? 
that if we are the bride, we are going to go up and see one day. You know, you know, you know where both John and Ezekiel, where the spirit, the spirit, the spirit of the Lord says, takes them. Take a guess. Both of them say, and the spirit of God took me to a very high mountain. 